So for the younger ones among us, would you have ever guessed that I used to love to go fishing? I did. I grew up in Minnesota, which is sometimes called the land of lakes, 16,000 plus to be exact. It was easy when I was a kid to find a place to go fishing. So I would either have a friend who lived on a lake and I could go on the end of their dock and fish, or I could get out on a rowboat and fish. And I really enjoyed it. And in fact, even in the winter time in Minnesota, it is so cold that the lakes freeze over. And I would sometimes drive my car out onto the middle of the lake and put a big hole in the ice and I would drop my line through the hole and go fishing in the middle of winter. Ice fishing. Wait, if you made a hole with your car, wouldn't your car wouldn't your car immediately fall into the hole? Well, it was a small hole and a big enough car, so that wasn't going to happen. And you have to be sure that the ice is thick enough. It has to be a good foot thick. So if you can think about 12 inches, right, of ice. Yeah, you can. That will will hold up not only one car, but several cars. There were a lot of people that would drive their car out to the middle of the lake. But this has to be when it's really cold and the ice is really thick. And the authorities will tell you whether a lake is safe or not. So it was always safe. And it was always fun. But I just wanted you to get that image in your head about fishing. I don't know if any of you have fished before, but honestly, it could be a fun hobby. And maybe you get some dinner out of the deal, you know? I have fished also not only in lakes, but I fished in the Atlantic Ocean. I have fished in the Pacific Ocean. I just like fishing. So maybe I would be a good disciple. Because in the gospel lesson for today, it says that at least four of the disciples, and we don't know about what some of the other ones did, but at least four were fishermen. And in Jesus' day, they didn't drive their car out onto the lake and fish through the ice. That would be silly because they didn't drive cars back then. And the Sea of Galilee is in a place where it never gets that cold. But they did go out in big boats. And the way they fished, right, the disciples, they would take huge nets that were usually made of rope they would throw the net into the water and it had weights on it so that it would sink to the bottom of the lake. And then they would take the boat and they'd row it for a while. And then in that net, they would catch all kinds of fish. And And they pull it up. I've seen a movie about this. You pull it up with like an anchor or something. Right, so then they pull up the fish and they take out the ones that they want, they throw back the ones they don't want, and then they not only can eat themselves, but they would probably then sell those fish to other people so that they could eat. And that's how they made their living. 
until Jesus came along. And then he said to Peter and James and Andrew and John and some of the other disciples that we know, come and follow me. And they did. So in some ways, that's the same thing that Jesus says to us. Jesus invites all of us to think of ourselves as disciples. And as disciples, we are asked in the gospel lesson today to become fishers of people. Now that's an odd image maybe, isn't it? We're not gonna walk down the sidewalk with our fishing nets and throw it over people. Yeah. But how would we become fishers of people? What is the way that we can people get to know the love of Jesus Christ? Making friends, talking to them, keeping the conversation going by talking about God. Yep, talking just by being kind to other people. Going uh, to church. Yeah, invite people to church, whether it's here in the building someday again, or whether it's on Zoom, which we'll have for quite a while, we think. So, any other ways? Um, they, they letter themselves, like they um, send letters back and forth, like a pen pal. Uh-huh, exactly. Very good. So there are a lot of ways, and if we can think of so many right now, imagine if we gave it some thought. And I think that's what Jesus wants us to do with this lesson that comes to us from the Gospel of Mark, is to think about all the ways that we too can invite people into a relationship with Jesus Christ and know Jesus just like we do, who is so loving and kind and forgiving and really helps make us into somebody and something that we could never even imagine before as a disciple. So that's the invitation before us today is to become fishers of people, not with nets, but with our kindness, our good words, our invitations, and all the ways that we can help Jesus get known to as many people as possible. Let us pray. Dear Jesus, help us to catch people by sharing the good news of your love with all the people that we know. Amen. Amen. And for older folks, as we read about the calling of Peter and Andrew, James and John, we probably are thinking to ourselves, now wait a minute, this doesn't seem all that realistic. Jesus speaks and then they jump. They just leave everything. I'm still thinking about Zebedee and the hired men in his boat and all of a sudden his sons are up and gone. And it just seems odd, doesn't it? Either the gospel reading is an exaggeration of what really happened, or maybe there was some kind of divine intervention and it really happened that way. Either way, it's not something that I can relate to. There's no way that I would just walk away from my current life on a moment's notice. And with that kind of thinking, many of us dismiss this passage as ancient history, or we see it as a passage that doesn't have a lot of application to our own lives. 
but maybe we need to rethink that. There was probably a fair amount of interactive history between Jesus and these men before they made their decision to leave home and take up with him. In fact, many New Testament scholars suggest that this was just the defining moment in what had been a long process of Jesus pulling them in by their heartstrings to a deeper relationship with him and with God. Clearly, they had met Jesus earlier. They had heard him teach and preach and their lives were moved and changed because of it. And we get that indication by looking at the Gospel of John and other readings as well. Perhaps what we have here is not so sudden a decision, an impulsive decision of four fishermen, nor this lightning-like divine intervention from God, as much as a reasoned and deliberate choice of four individuals. These four, after a period of exposure to the compelling invitation of Jesus, chose to follow him. Viewed in this light, the calling of the disciples and their faith-filled response takes on a new and probably more realistic perspective, one that we should carefully explore for its application in our own lives. For most of us, the call of Jesus to us in our own lives, his summons to discipleship comes also after we've been sufficiently exposed to Jesus' life and his teachings, and we begin to understand the truth residing in his person and in his words. Spontaneous following, although it does and can happen, is generally not the norm. But when the moment of truth or the moment of recognition comes, as it does in one way or another for most Christians, then we have to make a definitive decision. We either have to leave our nets and follow, or we let the Lord walk away while we turn to do our business as usual. Needless to say, Jesus and the entire witness of the New Testament declare that choosing the former is the far wiser course. Peter and Andrew, James and John chose the wiser course, and the rest, as we sometimes say, is history. But what about you? Have you heard and responded to the call of Jesus Christ in your life? Are you feeling drawn by the winsome truth of his presentation? Do you have experiences with Jesus that have changed you completely and you feel like you need to share them with someone in some way? Well, if so, keep in mind that unlike these first disciples, following Jesus doesn't necessarily mean that we have to leave our homes or our professions. What it does mean, however, is that we must be willing to leave 
the nets of our old understandings and the nets of our old lifestyles. That is the lifestyles of living only for ourselves to enter rather a different lifestyle where you see yourself and your calling and your work and your being as living for others. If you do make the decision to fish for people, what then can you expect? Many things, no doubt. And the New Testament is clear that you can also expect trouble. Or to express it more nobly, you can expect a summons to sacrifice. Now, that's not something that we always want to hear. In fact, it sounds downright discouraging, doesn't it? And yet, it's the truth. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer once wrote, and he is the Lutheran pastor that lived in Germany during the Hitler years, he said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. That's pretty stark. Even though the first disciples may not have fully understood what they were in for when they made that initial decision, Jesus soon made it abundantly clear that at the very least, they were in for a strenuous ride. When Mother Teresa was a young girl preparing to leave Yugoslavia to enter full-time Christ following, her mother told her to put her hand in the hand of Jesus and go wherever he led her. She did, and it led her into the poorest sections of India for more than 30 years. And it involved quite a lot of sacrifice and a little bit of trouble as well. Here in the United States, to a large extent, we've lopped off the sacrificial aspect of following Christ, and we've made the Christian life into something like a buddy-to-buddy -buddy system and relationship with Jesus, one that simply makes our life better because of Jesus. In fact, Sometimes, for us, Jesus becomes almost a good luck charm. We love him, and we're devoted to the disciplines that he keeps close to him. But when our Christ following is subjected to the light of authentic gospel witness, it immediately shows itself to be maybe a little bit of a distortion in our minds. It's not quite like we thought it might be. In this sense, we ignore the cross of our Lord, along with his compelling words that say, maybe if you know these, you can repeat them with me. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. We have a lot of stories of people who have decided to follow Jesus and their lives were changed forever. Some were changed in ways that they never expected. We have stories of missionaries in the 1800s that went into the darkest places where the words of Jesus had never been heard. 
or I've told the Bible class a little bit about my story. You know, I felt a calling to the ministry of word and sacrament early on in my life when I was about 12 or 13. And in seminary, when I was getting ready to go through all of the final hoops of being uh, uh, allowed to be ordained and serve the church uh, through the candidacy process, I was talking with God and saying, now this is what I'm hoping will happen. I'd like to stay in the Midwest. I'd like to be in a town that's not too small, not too large, you know, no language obstacles because I don't speak another language. Um, probably not ministry with people of color. Not that I didn't mind that, but I just didn't feel called or capable to handle that. And so I and no two point parish, never a two point parish, you know, two congregations at the same time. So I laid all of this out in my negotiation with God. And where was my first call? Uh, Union City, New Jersey, which was uh, Little Havana. 90% of the town of Union City was Cuban. Um, and North Bergen, New Jersey. It was a two-point parish. Two miles away from Manhattan. So it was pretty urban. And it was a wonderful experience that led me to Hartford, Connecticut, where I was in the middle of a gang war zone and was there for nine years, heard gunshots almost every night of those nine years and would go out every morning and pick up shell casings off of my lawn and the lawn of the church. Um, I'll talk to you about those gang days someday, but it was a ministry that was not the simple, um, easy ministry in the Midwest that I had asked God for. It was something so different and so much better. And every step of the way in my ministry helped prepare me for the next thing that God would show me and lead me to, including night ministry. And if I had to go back and change a thing, I wouldn't. And that's the thing about listening to God's call. We don't know where God will take us or who God will put in our lives or what even our purpose might be in that moment. But God doesn't put us in these situations to let us just stand there and go, I can't do this. God puts us there because God gives us gifts to do ministry in those places. Think about what God is calling you to do and to be with your life. Maybe some of you are thinking about a call to ministry of word and sacrament or of word and service in the church. If you are, give me a call immediately and I'll talk to you about that. And don't anyone be thinking I'm too old or I'll tell you the story about Elsie Weston, a member of one of the congregations I served who finished seminary at 84 years of age, was called by a congregation as a diaconal minister and worked for five years before she retired. So we can be called to that 
or we're called to use the gifts we have and the vocation that we have in a new and different way. And if you haven't ever looked on the ELCA website or on the Augsburg Fortress website, there are tons of resources for people in what's called ministry in daily life. How do you use the gifts that God has given you in your work and in your witness in the workplace or in the world where you find yourself these days? So where are you in the process of choosing to follow this lovely and wonderful yet frightening and well, who knows what is yet to come, invitation of Jesus. Is Jesus calling you to leave your nets and follow his lead? And are you tempted to go, just as Peter, Andrew, James, and John did? If so, then don't let the price put you off. To a greater or lesser degree, it will mean sacrifice, but in the end, the eternal payoff will far outweigh the temporal cost. From the very lips of our Lord come these reassuring words, and let them spin around in your head for a while if you are in a discernment process. They come from the 18th chapter of Luke. Truly, I tell you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the reign of God, who will not get back very much more in this age and in the age to come, eternal life. So go, leave your nets, follow Jesus. It may not be easy, but you will not regret it. Amen.